Morning. It's good to not see your faces. I mean, it's good to see you, but uh, it's good to have everybody here this morning. And I, I, I am so thankful uh, for all that have come in. Um, and for those that are watching from home, I know that it, it, can, uh, it can be difficult. Some are sick and, and unable to get out. Um, and and uh, I'm thankful that we're able to um, minister to them. Uh, there are some that, uh, that are just exhausted. And I think of one family in particular, and they know who they are and know that they're in our prayers. And uh, we, love, we love all of you um, because we are a church family. We're, we're a, a body of believers. That's what the church is. We've been talking over the last several weeks, the last six messages I preached have been on prayer. Uh, we've talked about power in prayer. We've talked about Jesus as our, as our example in prayer. Last week, uh, we, we, we talked about in the afternoon service, we, thought we went through the Lord's Prayer and, and used it kind of as a guide to, to help us to pray. And we've emphasized mostly personal prayer. Because for, for a Christian, to, to pr praying should be or is as important as breathing is to human beings. If, if, if we're not breathing, we're not healthy. I don't know about you, but I like to breathe. Sometimes I get out of breath, but that's just because I'm out of shape. Uh, but but that breathing is important, and and, and and reading scripture is important. And we, we covered that last last week. Uh, we talked about this personal prayer time, and we need to have, if you don't have, a, a time where you have set aside every day where you go alone, away from everybody else, and get away this, uh, from the distractions of the world, the distractions of your mind, and, and just focus on your time with God uh, in reading the Word of God and spending time in prayer with Him. Listen, you're going to struggle spiritually. It's absolutely necessary. Jesus taught us that we are to pray. Jesus taught us how to pray. Jesus promised us great things of prayer. If we abide in Him, we talked about this last Sunday morning, if we abide in Him and His Word abides in us, that we can ask Him anything, and He'll give us those things that we ask for. Why? Because as the word abides in us, it changes us. And it changes our will to his will. And listen, what great promises we have, though. We, and we have promises from God's word that we can pray and ask God for something and he'll provide it. I don't know about you, but it's, it's good to be able to enter into the, the, the throne room of grace, as Hebrews says, and ask for help in time of need. And, and God has given us that, that privilege, each and every one of us. And as we looked at the way, at the way Jesus taught us to pray, he taught us how to pray, I wanted to see, uh, you can find the, the best teacher, not in what they teach or in, in, or in the style, because teachers have different styles. Am I correct? There are different teachers. They have different styles. But, but Marge, how, sorry, I'm going to call you out here. How can you tell if a teacher is good or not? It, it's all based upon what the, the student learns, Right? If, if a student doesn't learn anything, it doesn't matter what what, what tactics the, the teacher used and, and how in, in, in exciting they were. If a student does, doesn't receive it and doesn't act upon it, it, it there's, there's no true understanding or learning of, of the situation, and the, the teacher failed. So uh, looking at Jesus and how he taught the disciples to pray, and I'm not calling teachers failures, by the way, just throwing that out there, but... Uh, Looking at how Jesus taught the disciples, I wanted to see how it how they responded and what they learned from what Jesus taught. 
And do you know where we find that? We find that in the very beginning. The first instance of that is in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, we see it in verse 14. So these all, we already read the names of all the people. We'll get back to that, get back to all that in a minute. But these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. I thank you that we can come and pray, Father. Lord, the truth is, uh, without this opportunity, Lord, to, to, to seek your face, without this ability to, to ask for your help, Lord, we would be helpless. Uh, we can't do anything of ourselves. Prayer truly does show just how dependent we are upon you. And Lord, I've, I'm done being independent. God, I'm done trying to do things myself. Because, Lord, I know that I can't. I need you. I pray, Lord, you'd help us this morning. Speak to us, Lord, in a way that only your spirit can. Lord, sanctify us through your word as only you can. Lord, help us. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We have to first look at the situation and what's going on here. It starts in verse 1. Paul is talking, uh, not Paul, uh, Luke is writing uh, to uh, the person he wrote the Gospel of Luke to, uh, to a man named uh, Theophilus. It says in verse 1, The former treaty, speaking of the, the Gospel of Luke, have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Uh, here he's kind of giving a, a rundown of, of what this coming, uh, this coming work is, this letter that he's writing him. And, he's, and he says, listen, uh, the, the previous work was all about what Jesus had taught and what Jesus had done. It's all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. The present work, this book of, of Acts, it's, it, it's, it's titled the Acts of the Apostles in your Bibles, uh, but it's really, uh, what it is, is it's referring to the work that Jesus did and was going to continue to do through the people, through the, through the apostles of Jesus Christ. See, it's, it's his work, not ours. It, 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 you, can describe, you can describe the apostles as the, the hands and the feet of Jesus. In fact, not just the apostles, but the church. We're, in chapter 1 and chapter 2, what we're looking at is the birth of the, of the New Testament church. Uh, uh, the New Testament church, uh, the word church is the called out body of believers uh, assembled in one place. They come together for a purpose. Uh, Paul describes us like this, physically like a body. Jesus Christ as the head and different members of the church have different functions and different, uh, different gifts, all gifted by the Holy Spirit, according to 1 Corinthians. And, and, and we're all gifted to, to function together to perform the work of God. Some have uh, the function or the gift of teaching. Some have the gift of, of, uh, of, of evangelism, going out and telling others about Jesus Christ uh, and, and being that gospel witness. Some have a, a, the gift of the spiritual gift of, of helping others and serving others. And, and God has given us his grace in, in that way. If you're a, a, a saved, baptized member of this church, you are a part of the body of Jesus Christ right here. 
God has given you a function. God has given you something. And I said function. I meant to say unction. He's given you an anointing of the Holy Spirit to do something. Now, up until this point, the, the anointing hadn't happened. And we're going to read about that here in, 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 a, few, in a few minutes. But, but today, we are the New Testament church. And just like back then, the the church and the apostles were to be the the hands and feet of Jesus Christ to to perform and do what Jesus Christ had called them to do. That's what we are. We are the called out body of believers saved by Jesus Christ. This happens right after, about 40 days after the the resurrection. We're getting ready to celebrate Easter. Easter. Easter is the resurrection of is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's uh, the the day that I man. If that hadn't happened, if Jesus hadn't risen from the uh, from the grave, just like Paul said, we would be of all people most miserable. We'd have no reason to gather together. We'd have no hope whatsoever because our hope is in Jesus Christ. And if He was still in that grave, we'd be like every other religion out there, uh, all, all going to trying to trek to some place where some great teacher once sat. Listen, no, uh, uh, the great teacher, uh, the greatest teacher of all teachers, he's not there in that grave anymore. He's alive, amen? And so this happened 40 days after the resurrection. He has revealed himself to the apostles. He has revealed himself to over 500 people, about the first Corinthians chapter 15 tells us. They, they, they've all seen him. He's taught them. He's, he's met with them. He's, he's instructed them. And he's getting ready to go. And he gives them one final command. We call it the Great Commission. You find it in Matthew chapter 27. You find it in, you find it in the book of Mark. You find it here in Acts chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. See, they're, they're confused as to what they're looking for, and they're asking, is the kingdom going to come now? They, they, they're seeing Jesus in his glorified body, and they're like, aha, no, we thought he was going to be king before, but they crucified him. But now he's in his glorified body. He's going to be, king, he's going to be the king now. His kingdom's going to come. And this is what they said, verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked for him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? They said, it's time, Lord. And Jesus responded to verse 7. He said unto them, it is not for you to know the time or the seasons, which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, verse 9 says, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Can you imagine the, just the, 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 the sight of that? Here they are, and Jesus says, listen, you're going to receive power, and you're going to go, and you're going to spread the good news, the gospel, to the entire world. And there's just, there's only a, a few of them there. They're like, really? And I say a few, it's not just two or three. There's, uh, but the, 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 the group at that time was about 120 disciples of Jesus Christ. He says, you're going to tell the whole world, but you're going to first go back and wait in Jerusalem until, that, until the, the Holy Spirit comes, until that gift comes. So, they hear that, and then suddenly he begins to rise up into heaven. I don't know about you, but if I saw somebody start to fly, I'd be kind of... And they've seen him do a lot of things, but they've never seen him fly. And they've seen him walk on water. I, I would have been incredulous if I had been there. And you say, well, you know, we read about it. No, 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 if you saw somebody walk on water, would you not be just, like, amazed? You'd be amazed if you started flying, too. 
They, they begin to worship him as he as he goes up into heaven. This is that, that what that ascension shows was that, that all that he had said was true. Listen, they they were seeing Jesus Christ in his glorified body ascending up into heaven. I don't know what it must have been like, but it would have been absolutely amazing. And when we use the word amazing and and, and jaw dropping too much, listen, that was an amazing. That's an amazing dress. An amazing. Oh no no no! You watch somebody. You watch Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, rise up in the heaven. That's amazing and awe-inspiring. And they worshipped him. While the Bible says they stood there gazing up into heaven, two angels appeared down below in verse 10. It says, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they into Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet. So what's happened? They, they watched him rise up. These, these, these angels said, listen, he said for you to wait in Jerusalem. Go back and wait. So they did. Now, you and I, it, it, it depends on what your idea of waiting is. They, 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 they could have gone back and gone back to their old jobs. Peter could have got his boat out, could have started fishing. I'm just waiting for the Holy Spirit. I'll be out here waiting. When it comes, then I'll do what Jesus said. But uh, until then, I'm going to be waiting. Uh, John and, and James could have gotten the business with him. Matthew could have gone back to collecting taxes. Uh, uh, they, they could have all gone back to the to their previous lives and, and what they used to just, just waiting for God to do something. And they could have spent their whole life there, never having done anything. You say, well, he said to go back and wait. You know what they did? Jesus had taught them about prayer. And if you, if you remember, the, the, the Pharisees had asked Jesus about, about why do you not teach your, your disciples to, to fast and pray like John does? Do you remember that? And Jesus' response is, well, one day, for now, I'm here. They always have me here. But one day, I'm not going to be here anymore. And then they'll fast and pray. Something tells me in, in the back of their mind that that, that, that kind of clicked in their head. And they said, listen, we've got to do something. He says to go back and wait, but uh, listen, I don't want to just sit here and twiddle my thumbs. We've got to do something. So they went back and they labored in prayer. So what we see here in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, while, while Jesus had taught them to pray alone, and, to, and, and we are all to have that, it's, a, it's, a, it's an important part of our lives, what, what we're talking about here is, is corporate prayer. The first prayer meeting that ever took place, ever in the Bible, happened in, in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. It says, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with, the prayer, with, with women and Mary, the mother of Jesus. With his brethren, there's a couple of things I just want to note here real quickly uh, before we go farther into uh, the book of Acts. But it says these all continued. Listen, as they as they gathered together, uh, and, and what you're going to see here in the book of Acts, uh, if you if you study it out, uh, this this prayer meeting started a, a a cycle of things that happened over and over and over again. First, there'd be a prayer meeting, and then great power would come, and then they would proclaim the truth of the gospel, and then there would be uh, there would be so many people that got saved, and then persecution would come upon the people. And guess what? They would bring them back to prayer again, and then power, and then the proclamation, and then and then more persecution. It happened over and over again through the book of Acts. But it always started with prayer. 
Well, Jesus didn't go on long diatribes and, and give them long teachings on how they were to gather together in prayer. They learned something from him. Now, there were times when he did say, there were a few, a few promises given to him where he said, where two or three are gathered in my name. What did he say? I'll be there. I don't know about you, but listen, he's gone into, he's gone up into heaven, and we're not going to see him again. But he's promised the comfort to come. So what do we do? Well, he said if we get together and pray, he'll be there. So let's get together and pray. He also said with two people, uh, two, two believers, agree uh, on any one thing in my name. Listen, they'll have it. Said, listen, let's agree and, and, and cry out for God's spirit to come. That's the promise he gave to us. They came together to pray, to seek the, the, the face of God. And I want you to notice something. Now, they, they, it says, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. They all came together. The first thing about any prayer meeting is there's got to be a gathering of the people. If there is not a gathering of the people, uh, there, there's a gathering of the body of believers. Uh, it's not a group prayer meeting. You say, well, I can pray at home and I can pray alone. Let me preface all this. I am not trying to guilt anybody to come to our Wednesday night prayer meeting. That is not the, the, the focus of this message. Uh, uh, in fact, if I could guilt you into coming and make you feel bad enough to come, all I would do is it would get you to come for one or two services, and then you'll stop coming because it was just guilt from a message. I can't change your heart, and I can't change your mind. What am I trying to do is encourage you to see that, that, that man, we should prioritize the, the corporate prayer meeting because there's a great benefit in coming together as the body of Christ and praying together. And if we don't do it, we're missing out. They gathered together there in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. These all continued with one accord. But not only were they together, this is an important part that, that many times that we miss. It says they were in one accord. What does that mean? It means they were in harmony of purpose and of thought, of mind. They, they, they were there for the same purpose. They, they, they didn't come in there with uh, two separate, wanting to go two separate directions. They were seeking the, the, the direction from God. They were seeking God to lead them, God to help them, God to work in them, because God had given, Jesus had given them a direction of what he wanted them to do. But they knew they needed his help. So they came together with one purpose. Listen, if we're going to come together in corporate prayer, whether it's a Wednesday night prayer meeting or, or whether it's the men's fellowship tomorrow night where we spend some time in prayer or the ladies' fellowship on Tuesday night or whatever time that we get, they, it doesn't even have to be the whole church, uh, the church come to pray. We need to pray together. Some of the sweetest times of prayer that I've ever had have been with, with uh, just small groups of people. Back before Pastor Williams passed away, there was a, a day that uh, I came in uh, to talk to him. And my wife wasn't very happy I was here. She'd rather I'd been at home. I told her that I, was, I came in, I was, I was going to do something with Pastor, with Pastor Williams, and um, Kyle Black was here. And we sat down, and we just, man, we were praying. And she stopped by the church. And when she, she came in, she saw and heard what was going on, and she joined us for prayer. One of the sweetest times of fellowship with God. Not because it was a large group or just because it was the right people, but it was God's people. Together, in unity, seeking the face of God for something. There have been other times when we as a church did the same thing. Some of you were here for those things. 
and remember what God did and how God worked, how God ministered to our hearts and met with us. They prioritized. They could have done anything, but they went back and they prayed. They came together with one heart to see God work. Notice also they were they didn't prioritize the people. Verse 13 gives the list of the, the apostles. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Bartholomew Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, Zelotus, and Judas, the brother of James. But then in verse 14 it says, with the women their wives, other, other women that were followers of Jesus. I'm sure Mary and Martha were there. This is Mary, the mother of Jesus. And with his brethren. His brethren, up until the resurrection, didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. They grew up with him. They, they doubted it. In fact, they made fun of him. When, uh, they, they mocked him at, at times when he and told him he should go preach to the whole world. They didn't realize that he was going to die for the whole world. It wasn't until later, here, that they understood. And they, and they, they saw him, and they, they recognized him as he was, in truth, the Son of God. And they worshipped him, and they prayed. They all, they all came together, and they saw his face. They all got into the word. Verse 15 says, And in those days Peter stood up in the midst of his disciples and said, The number of names together were about 120. Men and brethren in the scripture must needs have been fulfilled. And they began to study the word of God. Listen, listen we talked about a prayer meeting and what is a prayer meeting. And, and that was kind of my thought as I began to look at this. What did a prayer meeting back then look like? Look like? Was it just hours and hours and hours of prayer? Was it was it somebody praying a little bit here and a little bit there? Or uh, How did it look? And we, we don't have much to look at as far as that. We'll, we'll look at a few passages here in a minute. It doesn't really tell us. There's no set way in which a group should pray other than that they should come together with one heart, one mind, and one spirit and pray seeking the face of God. There has to be unity. There cannot be division. And they must come together seeking the will of God. But part of this was that God into the word of God. Peter said, listen, this is what the word of God said must be fulfilled. And what did they do? They replaced the apostle who had killed himself. The one who had betrayed Jesus Christ. Listen, when we have our prayer meetings on Wednesday night, uh, there's a, a period of time of Bible study. Listen, the Word of God can, can, can direct our minds and direct our hearts and, and help draw us closer to God. It's a, it's, 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 you can't undo the two from one another. We need prayer. We need the Word of God. It's those two things that work in us to change us. It's, it's those, those things that uh, prayer is our communication to God. His Word is, is His communication to us. We need that. You can't separate the two. So there was there was prayer and there was there was a unity and they were together. They prioritized prayer, and we and we're gonna look at it here throughout scripture. Acts chapter one fourteen here we see that a united prayer is a comfort to a discouraged church. United prayer is a comfort to a discouraged church. They came together and prayed. Why? Because the Savior that they had just watched die is, has, has now risen from the grave. It is gone forever. He said he's coming back again. 
They had just lost the Savior. They had just lost a king. They were sheep without a shepherd. They were they were uh, they were uh, children without a, without a parent watching over. They, they they were lost and they were confused and they didn't know what was coming up next other than what God had told them. And they came together and they prayed, and man, it comforted their hearts. And it encouraged them to move forward, not just to waste the time, but to, to make use of the time to fulfill the word of God and, and, and waiting for it. And they continued. This wasn't just a one-day meeting. This meeting lasted for, for 10 days. There was 40 days, from, when Jesus, 40 days from, from his resurrection, Jesus went up into heaven. 50th day is the day of Pentecost. There was 10 days that they prayed. You say, well, did they pray there for 10 days? No, I don't believe they did. I don't believe that they, they didn't eat or drink. I bet they lived their lives. They, 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 they all had jobs. There were 120 people in that room. I probably got hot and smelly. Right? They had to go home and feed their children, take care, of the, take care of the things, but they came back to pray. You know what that tells me? That we need to prioritize prayer, corporate prayer. That yes, we get busy and we've got jobs to do, and we've got things that we need to do to take care of, and, and I understand that, and listen... I, there are days when I work 40, 50, 60 hours, and, 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 and there, there, there are days when, there are times when I don't go home and my family comes in on Wednesday nights to eat dinner with me. I, I get it. It can be busy. But they prioritized prayer because it was important. It brought comfort to their hearts at that time. They were discouraged. And I can remember a time when, when Pastor Williams was, 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 was sick out in Illinois, and we, 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 were, we didn't think that he was going, we were told that he may not make it. And he was, his family was told that as well. And listen, we got together, and what do we do? People made it a priority to come and pray. On a day that wasn't even a prayer meeting, it wasn't a regular week, it was just a day of the week. that We knew there was a need for prayer, so we came together and we prayed. And it's so important for us to do it. What did it do? It comforted our hearts. Why? Because we were crying out to a God that could heal. I'm a paramedic, and I like to fix things. If somebody's sick, I'd like to be able to, to, to not that I have the tools anymore or even a license to, to do it anymore, but I'd like to be able to try to help. But man, when you're nowhere near the patient, you're kind of helpless. What can you do? The greatest thing you can do is pray. But the church came together to prioritize prayer. They were just they were a discouraged church. In Acts chapter two, verse one, prayer meeting is the place for the reception of God's divine power. Prayer meeting is the place for the reception of divine power. Now listen, if you're asking God for, to, to fill you with the Spirit, you don't need to be in church, but can I tell you, if the church is crying out for the power of God and they're doing it the right motive, the right reason, God will hear and answer. His word says, draw nine to me and I'll draw nine to you. Cleanse your hands, you, your, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. It's James chapter four. If we as a church are crying out for the power of God, we will see the power of God fall. We see it here in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. You say, well, it doesn't say they were praying. Yes, it does. They were with one accord. They're all there for the same purpose. The same purpose. They've been there for the last 10 they They've come back for the last 10 days to pray and seek the face of God and ask for, for God to, to work. And, and what happened? Well, we all know what happened at Pentecost. 
The Bible says there's a rush of a mighty wind. They saw cloven, cloven tongues of fire. And, and the, the Holy Spirit came down and, and rested upon those men of God and, and did a work in those men so that they could do something that they would not be able to do on their own. Peter, just days before, uh, had, had been the one who had wavered, the one who had denied Christ. He was the one that had, had, had turned back to fishing. He, that was Peter. He's the one Jesus had to ask three times, Lovest thou me? But after time of prayer and seeking the face of God and the influx of the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter stood up with boldness, no longer wavering. No longer afraid to be counted as one who was a follower of Jesus Christ. And he pronounced and preached the greatest message that had ever been preached up to that point. And, and 3,000 people got saved. It wasn't Peter's ability to speak. He wasn't an educated man. He was a fisherman. But he was filled with the power of God. And God worked and God moved in that day. Listen, John, who was a man who, who, had, who had stood over in Samaria and said, Father, should, or Jesus, should we, should we call down fire uh, from heaven down on those people because they deny you? He says, no. Listen, that man was filled with the Holy Spirit of God on that day. And he worked and, and, and served and ministered to people to bless them, not to harm them. God worked in all of the, the apostles that day so they were able to, to speak in languages that they'd never even heard before. Why? To show how great they were? No. To glorify God in heaven and to, to point to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many times we think, I'm, I'm weak. God can't use me. I'm, I'm not anybody. You don't know my past. You don't know what I've done. God can never use me in that way. Peter cut off a man's ear and then promptly ran away. Thomas was known as a doubter. Listen, you don't know what God could do in your life if you were to allow him to fill you with the Holy Spirit. You say, I'm indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Yes, you are. And I praise God that we are all as children of God indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But when I say being filled by the Holy Spirit, I'm not talking about some mystical thing that comes and takes place where we all begin to start babbling and acting like kooks and crazy people, climbing the walls. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being fully yielded to the Holy Spirit of God and allowing him to control you and letting him lead you and guide you. And listen, he can't empower you to preach in a way that you couldn't preach. He can't empower you to witness in a way that you couldn't witness on your own. He can't empower you to do certain things. I'm not saying you're going to go out and, and perform miracles and raise the, the dead from the grave. God doesn't work in that way anymore. But what he can do is he can raise a heart from the, from the that's dead in the trespasses and sins because you share the gospel with that person. Well, that's just not me. No, it's not. It wasn't Peter either. It was the power of God that worked through him. Where did that power come from? Yes, it's yielding to the Holy Spirit. But he spent days in prayer with his brothers and sisters in Christ, seeking that power of God. Saying, God, God can hear my prayer without it. Yes, he can. But you throw a rope around something and pull on it and see how much easier it is when somebody else grabs onto that rope. You get five or ten or fifteen people pulling on that rope with you. How well, how easily are you going to move that car or bus? Listen, the work is what we're trying to do is have God hear us and God answer. And yes, God can hear and answer one prayer. But what we've seen is God blesses corporate prayer. 
David was unprecedented. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. We see another prayer meeting. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. Remember I told you there was a cycle. They would pray. There would be power. They would, they would proclaim the gospel. And then they would fall into persecution. And that's exactly what happened here in Acts chapter 4. Verse 4 says, Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of men was about 5,000 people. 5,000 people have gotten saved because of the, the preaching uh, that was filled with the power of the, of, of the apostles. And then it says, verse 6, And Annas the high priest, and, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked them, By what power or by what name have you done this? They grabbed those, they grabbed Peter, and, they, and, and those who were with him, and, and they, they began to question him. They, they, they eventually come to a point where they commanded, Listen, we don't want you to ever preach in that name ever again. And they beat them, and they let them go. I don't know about you, but I've never, I've had people yell at me through a door. Get off my porch! I've never had a group, a mob of men grab me, sit me down, and question me, and then tell me, don't ever do that in my town again. And then beat the snot out of me before they let me go. Do you imagine? They, they, they were persecuted for the faith, but instead of complaining and saying, saying, God, why did you let this happen to me? They remembered what Jesus said. Blessed are they that are persecuted, for they shall inherit the earth. And he says, when you're persecuted, the next verse says, Rejoice! And they went back to the church. They didn't go to the friends. They didn't get on Facebook. They didn't have Facebook back then. They didn't, get, they didn't tell other people. They, they went back to the church, and they got the church together. They said, guess what happened? We can read about it in verse 31. Or verse... I'm trying to figure out which verse it is. Verse 24, and when they had heard that, they lifted their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth again against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, now Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servant that, that with all boldness they may speak thy word, by stretching forth thy hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. They didn't say remove the threatenings. They didn't say uh, help us. They didn't say uh, take care of our enemies. What they said is give us boldness to go out and preach the gospel again. And the Bible says that the whole place shook when they were done praying. And they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And guess what they did? They went out and they proclaimed the truth of the word of God. And more people got saved. And more persecution came. And the persecution led the church to pray again. And they prayed, God came again and filled them again. And they, were, they went out and they preached again. And more people got saved. You see the cycle that happens over and over again. Prayer meeting is a resource for a persecuted church. See, when we go through different difficult times, it drives us back to God. 
we learn that we can't depend upon our own strength, that we can only stand up against the, the man so many times and for so long, and, and eventually we'll give in and we'll cave. Listen, we have never had somebody beat us. We've never had somebody chase us out of our churches. But there are Christians today that are going, going through that right now, afraid to meet because their lives are at risk. Not in our country, no, but in other countries. What do they do? Pray. Listen, someday we may be persecuted. So, uh, there's a pastor to the, there's a pastor in jail up in Canada today because he refused to stop preaching at his church. Canada's not that far away, and our governments are becoming more and more wanting to become more like other nations. I don't know about you. We should pray for them and pray for ourselves. Prayer is the resource that we need to run to. And listen, it's a resource not to deliver us, but it's a resource to persevere. They didn't cry and ask for God to, 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 to take away the problems. They said, give us boldness to continue to preach, to do what you called us to do. Because remember, they're the hands and feet of Christ. And what did he say? To go to Jerusalem and all of Judea and the Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. How do we do that? can't do it on my own. We can't do it on our own. You get every child of God together and put them all in one place. And listen, we all can't do it. We need the power of God, and he is our resource. Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, verse 5 is, a, is an, another prayer meeting. Again, the church is being persecuted. James has been killed. Peter has been arrested in prison. They think they're going to, they're, they're, the plan is by the king to, to execute him as well. He believes that will make the people happy. But I want you to see what happens in verse number 5 of chapter 12. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church and to God for him. And you know what happens. If you don't, if you don't know the story, uh, Peter's in jail. He's he's chained between two guards. There's two guards at the door, and he's inside the inner part of the jail. So to get out isn't just going through one gate. There's several different gates, locked gates that he needs to get through. And they didn't they didn't get together and make plans to to rescue him. They 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 didn't get together their weapons and try to go in and get him. They didn't uh, try to, to to raise money to buy off the to buy off uh, the, the 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 Pharisees or the the Romans. Uh, they didn't do any of those things. What they did is they got. To together and they prayed and God did something that nobody else could do Peter was sleeping chains fell off angel kicked him in the side and says get up now I'm paraphrasing but this is what the Bible says happened Peter got up in a daze thinking he was still asleep and the door opens up all the guards are sleeping they don't know what's going on he walks out the door out the next gate, out the next gate, out the... It wasn't until he's out in the cold night, brisk night air that he realized, and the angel disappears, that he realizes that it was not a dream and that he was free. Do you know where he goes? He didn't think about what friend, where he could hide. He didn't think about what friend that he could go to. He went exactly where he knew everybody was going to be. 
the prayer meeting. He went to the prayer meeting. Knocked at the door. If you remember, the, little, the servant girl opens up the door. She screams, Ah! Peter's here! And slams the door in his face. Peter's probably shaking his head, laughing. She runs inside and tells everybody, and they're like, no, no, no. What? Yes, we've been praying for him. We've been praying unceasingly for him. But if, if, it, if, if you saw anything, it was his ghost. Show a lack of faith, maybe. They rejoiced when they opened the door and they saw him. Why? Because they'd been there praying for Peter. Prayer meeting is a means for personal deliverance. I don't know how many people prayed for me when I read for God. I know I was on prayer lists. I've got friends that I know prayed for me. Jason Max, he's, he's a, a, a surgeon over in Africa now, on the Ivory Coast, a missionary doctor. I know he prayed for me. I know my parents prayed for me. But I also know that my name was brought up every Wednesday at their weekly prayer meeting. They didn't know the trouble that I was getting myself into. I kept those things fairly hidden, but they knew that I was spiritually in trouble. They knew that I was away from God, and they prayed for me every single week. Do you know why? why I stand here today? One, because God is merciful. But because God's people pray. How many lives have been turned around and people have been brought to God, people have been saved or delivered from addiction or whatever because, because people prayed. Because churches prayed. There are people that are sick that we, we that we that we mention every single every single Wednesday. There, there are names that are brought up, and and listen, we're to pray for the sick. I'm not trying to down that, but many times we forget. Many times we don't know who to pray for because nobody brings their name up before us. Can you pray for them? The Bible says this: uh, cast. Uh, we're, to, we're to cast all our care upon him, for he cares for you. You can pray, and, and you can pray to God, ask God for, for, for that loved one, that spouse, that, 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 uh, that, that one who's that child that's, that's wandered away, the, uh, the, the one that's lost. You can pray for the brother, the sister, the aunt. You can do that on your own, and you should. But what you can also do is bring their name here. So that we can pray, not trying to 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 to, to uh, bring anybody's name out or find out about your own personal business. Uh, but listen, marriages could be saved through prayer. People could be saved through prayer. People could be delivered through prayer. But it takes prayer. We need to pray. Prayer meeting is a means of individual deliverance. Acts chapter thirteen, verse two. He received that the prayer meeting was, an, was a means of calling someone to service. We'll start in verse 1. It says, Now there was in the church 
that was at Antioch, certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Manian, whoever his name is, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Notice, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Now, Saul has, has been saved for years now. He has been, been busy serving God in, in many different places, teaching and preaching the gospel. Uh, this isn't the beginning of his story, uh, but, but the, it is here where he is separated out to go and to, 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 to begin to plant churches and to, to preach the gospel to the, to the Gentiles. At prayer meeting, as they with one accord were praying, God spoke to his heart and to Silas's heart and separated them out. And this is, if we continue reading, it says, the others, after a time of prayer and fasting, agreed, said, yes, uh, this is, you're right, this is what God's calling you to do. And it set them forth on a, on a journey that, that was going to change their entire lives. There are many different ways in which you could live your life. You can live your life in, in, in general service to God and, 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 be, uh, and be happy there if that's where God wants you to be. The, 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 the point is, is that we would allow God to lead us and to guide us in what we do. But too many t today, too many people are saying, well, I've got this plan for my life and I've got this plan for my life and I really want to do this. That we're not available and open to, to the thought even that God might call us into something else. Paul was called to missions. He was the very first missionary ever. Missionaries are coming off the field in record pace. Souls are still dying without Christ. God's plan is still for us to go and to tell the whole world. Now we can minister in missions in a couple different ways. One, by praying. Uh, uh, whether praying on your own, but praying for our missionaries. Uh, you can go through, read the letters. You can Every once in a while we get a video. That was kind of cool this morning. I like that. Uh, we're able to watch and hear and see. Uh, it, it connects you to the missionary that wasn't here all that long ago that we just took on for support. And praise the Lord, he's going to be on the field in just a few, just a few months and, and, and planning the church. He told us what to pray for. So we can pray. But it's not just the word of pray. Some of us to go. Now I'm not saying you're all going to go to to, uh, to Syria or to Africa or to uh, that's what we think of missionaries but the truth is missions work is all over the world. Remember what Jesus said? Jerusalem, Ju all of Judea, Samaria and the other uh, the uttermost parts of the earth. That was his plan. Is everybody in America saved? Nope. Is everybody in the state of Maine saved? Nope. Is everybody in Augusta saved? Nope. Is everybody that lives on your street a follower of Jesus Christ? That's our mission field. God may call you to go to Africa, but he's not going to call you to go to Africa until you're already going here. And God won't send you here until first you seek the 
power of the Holy Spirit. Remember back in Acts chapter 1? He said before, hey, listen, yes, we're all, we're all, again, we're all involved with the Holy Spirit. But there's a, we, we see here throughout the book of Acts a refilling of the Holy Spirit. And, 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 you, and you can know if somebody is filled with the Holy Spirit. If you don't, don't think that you're, if you don't know that you're filled with the Holy Spirit or somebody can't tell by looking at you, then the chances are you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's just be honest. They, when in Acts chapter six, they, they said, "Choose you out seven men full of the Holy Ghost." How could they choose out seven men full of the Holy Ghost if if you couldn't tell by looking by talking to them and watching them and knowing them? We can know. There's some signs of that. They yield to the Word of God. They, they they're telling others about Jesus Christ. They they got it. They, they're showing the attributes of Jesus Christ. The, the fruit of the Spirit are evident in their life. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Say, well, that's just not me. It should be. It should be all of us. Paul here was separated out. One, because he was busy, but two, because he was seeking the will of God here and tender to the moving of the Spirit at that prayer meeting. The last one is this, Acts chapter 16, verse 3. Acts chapter 16, verse 3 says this. That's not verse 3, it's verse 13. Verse 13, sorry. And on the Sabbath, we, that's Paul, Paul and those that were with him, on Sabbath we went out to the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. We sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attend unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized, and her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful in the Lord, come into my house, and, and abide there. And she constrained us. So what's, what's so important about this passage? This was the first time that the gospel was ever preached outside of Asia Minor. It was the first time the gospel was preached in Europe. Lydia was the first, the first uh, European to, be, to become a follower of Jesus Christ. It was through this that, that Paul got a foothold, uh, the gospel got a foothold uh, in that nation, and we know what's happened since. We know that, that the gospel spread across the nation. That in fact, the Bible tells us uh, that, 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 that records that the disciples were, were understood to have turned the, the world upside down because of the gospel. The gospel started there, but didn't stop with Lydia. Others got saved, and it, it continued to spread. That church there at Philippi uh, and began to preach to others, and the church in Thessalonica, it went everywhere. Why? It started a prayer meeting. If we're going to get a foothold for Christ in this town, it's going to be when people gather together to pray. Every revival that's ever taken place in history has, has started because a group of people, and it doesn't have to be a big group of people, but a group of people got together, united with one purpose, seeking the face of God for revival. And over a period of time, that group might grow a little bit larger and a little bit larger. But revival 
would take place. Why? Because they got together and they sought the one who could do it. Because they understood that there was a need for it and they, uh, they went to the one who could perform it. Is prayer meeting the end-all, be-all of all things? I believe that prayer meeting is the most important service that we hold. Charles Spurgeon was, was known to be the prince of preachers. Thousands were saved. Hundreds of thousands were saved under his ministry. Uh, but And others, looking back, would talk about just how brilliant of, a, of, of, a, of an orator he was and how, how, how he was able to, to just with, with, with those words, uh, just cut deep into the heart of men and, and men and women would get saved on a, on a weekly basis. And man, it was just amazing what he could perform. But Charles Spurgeon never said, look at me, look at me. He didn't say that it was his his holy life or holy living. He didn't say that it was his 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 uh, his oration or his ability to preach. Although he was a brilliant man, uh, high intelligence, he never claimed any glory of his own. Do you know what he said? It came from where that power came from in preaching. He he, he said the power is of God. But do you know how he got it? The hundreds of people that met every single day in his church to pray. That was the engine of, uh, of the power of his church. And the people, they gathered together to pray for the lost in their community, to pray for the power of the preacher, to pray to seek the face of God. Listen, there needs to be, there should be a priority in our life to come together and pray. I understand that not everybody can come to the Wednesday night prayer meeting. I, I, I get that. Sometimes work is involved. Sometimes health is involved. I, I, I understand. And I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad or guilty. That's not my intention at all. But, but Sometimes it's just because we're tired. Sometimes it's just because we're discouraged. And listen, if there's anything that we need more, if anything is going to answer and take care of that need of exhaustion or take care of that, that need of spiritual uh, discouragement, it's going to be coming together and praying. They have two-thirds of the messages left, so we're going to come to an end. But let me finish it with this this morning. Come back for the rest of it this afternoon. It's not actually two-thirds. It's last bit. I'm talking to everybody. And all we can do, all you can do, and this is all I'm asking you to do, is self-examine. Is prayer important in your life? Dads, what are we teaching our kids? Do they see us pray by ourselves? Because if not, it doesn't matter how many, how many times you tell them prayer is important. If they don't see you pray. Is corporate prayer important for you in your home? Do you pray with your kids and your wife? Is corporate prayer important for you here? There are benefits to prayer that we haven't gotten to get to because of the time. Like I said, come back for it. But let me encourage you. Ask God to help you. Be committed to prayer. 
We want to see God work. Listen, you know what happens with, with churches that, that, that are dead or dying? They stop praying. What would happen if I just got tired and decided not, not to come on Wednesday night? Well, it's your job. Yeah? I don't come here because it's my job. I come here because I realize how important it is. Because I'm a product of somebody's prayer meeting. It's so important. Father God, I thank you for this day. Lord, I pray, Lord, you would just have your way in our hearts. May your spirit be free to work in each other's Lord. May our hearts be tender. Lord, we love you. We're so thankful for all that you've done. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.